Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. How's my audio? Is my audio solid? Yeah, you're great. How do, uh, how do you say your last name? Schlinsky. Schlinsky? Schlinsky. So just like it, it's spelled awesome. Yep. Four consonants in a row. Pretty strange. S-C-H. No vowel. Interesting. Where, uh, <laughs> where are you from? Or where's your family from, I should say? So my great-grandparents um, were from Poland. Um, okay. They moved after World War I um, because they were afraid being Jews in Poland was dangerous. They were correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, they moved after World War I. States, thankfully, otherwise I might not be here. Um, they moved after World War One, but we don't actually know what their original Polish name was. Okay. Um, they shifted it from whatever it was to Schlinski. So our family joke is that it was all the Jewish names combined. So it was like Schlinski, Oppenstein, Hamburg, Goldstein, blah, blah, blah. And they just shortened it to Schlinski. But nice. we don't actually, we think it was probably Schlinskizik, which is like the C-Y-Z-K at the end of um, uh, Polish names, which is like an impossible thing to say for most Americans. So mm-hmm. that's why... Uh, that's why they change it. We don't know though exactly, but that's uh, that's my family's heritage. <laughs> that's awesome. It's always awesome to have a good story like that. Mine, yeah, especially when your first name is Alex, which is pretty much the most standard name you can have. So, yeah. like, uh, I like. I'm really interested in names too. It's like a really interesting thing for me. Yeah, you catch them on the back end. You're like Alex Shlinsky. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother, let me get your uh, profile pulled up here and we'll get rolling. Sounds good. I don't think I can cover the whole thing. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> do whatever you got to do. It'll be fine. We'll just have a good time and hang. Awesome, man. All right, guys, welcome back. We've got uh, Alex Slinsky here. He's an entrepreneur, coach, speaker, and CEO of Prospecting on Demand. They call him Iron Man of Marketing, which is a badass name. Once I saw that, I was like, I've got to get this guy on the podcast. I've got to hear the story behind that. Um, and uh, something to do with open heart surgery? Yes, sir. Fantastic. Alex has also sold $15 million worth of products, worked with over 700 clients in 50 different markets, including some of the world's greatest brands like the Miami Dolphins and the UFC. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's let's get right into it. Let's get into that story. Iron Man of marketing. Where does that come from? So yeah, um, I'll give you a quick breakdown. First off, man, thanks so much for having me, Doug, and uh, everyone Absolutely. listening, taking the time. Um, so yeah, quick little backstory. Uh, when I was younger, uh, my dad was a uh, funeral director for 20 or so years. Um, I'm the youngest of three kids that he has. Um, and one day he decided to uh, quit that job um, mm-hmm. because unfortunately he uh, ended up burying a lot of people that weren't meant to be buried yet. Um, and having a young kid that he had to come home to see every day was uh, we- wearing on him significantly. So uh, he became an entrepreneur pretty late in life. Um, around like 38, 40 years old, um, started a financial planning business and within two years uh, became very successful. Um, now, in my mind, you know, the only reason I knew that things had changed was because my dad's car went from a Nissan Saturn, I think it was, mm-hmm. or an Altima. Uh, and then now he had a Lexus. Uh, our trips were to go to Disney and now we're going on a seven day cruise to Alaska. So nice. uh, even though, you know, you're not like really up to snuff when you're 10 or 11 years old, but you can get the idea something had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, about a year after that, 
Um, my dad um, got very sick. He had a stroke out of nowhere, um, completely shocked everyone. Um, he had two years of uh, dealing with this uh, terrible experience. Thank God he's alive and well today and totally fine. But we weren't, you know, it was very touch and go for a while. He had a lot of uh, significant health issues. Um, and ultimately what we learned was my dad's financial planning business was really a freelance job because without him working, uh, there was no one to support or help or build from there. So as soon as he got sick, everything kind of fell apart uh, financially for my family. Um, it became very, very challenging. And that became the reason why about 10 years later, I wanted to start my own uh, company where I wasn't going to be the sole proprietor of the business, but learning how to build a company uh, with other people to help me grow. And that's what I did uh, for about six years. And then I had my own exact experience that my dad had. Mm -hmm. uh, but this time it was a little bit different. So I was told when I was 18 years old, that I would have to have open heart surgery at some point in my life. Um, I uh, ended up being born with what is called a bicuspid aortic valve. Your aortic valve uh, is supposed to open like a Mercedes Benz sign or a peace sign. Uh, mine opened in a semicircle. So because of that, uh, it would open up and blood would leak back into the heart. So when your heart gets overworked, just like any other muscle, it ends up growing in size. The anticipation by the doctors at that point was that oh, I need the surgery when I was 40 or 50. Mm -hmm. Fast forward 10 years later, 29 years old, 28 years old, I was told I need to have the surgery. And I had it in October 15th, uh, 2020. I actually had to wait 10 months for the surgery because of COVID, which was very shitty and a bad experience. Um, I'll never forget this call, uh, Doug. I called them March uh, 2020, right after COVID broke out. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was be being scheduled for April, 2020 to have the surgery. And the lady on the phone says, your surgery has been postponed to at least October um, due to uh, us not doing any elective surgeries. And I freaked out at her on the phone. I'm like, elective, I'm not choosing this. What are you talking about? She's like, yeah. sir, elective means any non-emergency surgeries, blah, blah, blah. So I uh, had to deal with that for some time, about eight months I waited um, until I had the surgery. And basically what they did is they put a piece of carbon inside of my heart. Carbon is a metal. Um, so thus I became the Iron Man of marketing. Unfortunately, not as handsome as Robert Downey Jr. or Billy. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Uh, I don't hold anything against him uh, for that. That was the little moniker my team uh, gave me after a six day hospital stay, thankfully living through it. Um, I do have a mechanical uh, heart or a piece of my heart is mechanical. Um, my team sent me a, um, a Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man heart. From oh, that's Marvel. awesome. That's, that's what I came awesome. From. I have that on my desk um, in my office. Uh, that was a really cool experience. Um, and uh, it's pretty crazy. If, uh, if we're quiet, you won't be able to hear it on the podcast. But if we're sitting next to each other and we're quiet, my heart ticks like a Timex watch. No because freaking way. Carbon watch. So <laughs> quick, funny side story for you on this. Um, I went to go see A Quiet Place, the movie with John Krasinski. Oh, yeah. And um, probably like, <laughs> I don't know, eight to 10 months after my surgery. My wife doesn't watch any scary movies, so I'm by myself. Um, and the people next to me were like, I could tell they were like, what the hell is that sound? So I, I whispered over to the guy, I'm like, sorry, that's my heart. And then as soon as I did that, I realized that is a really weird statement for him to hear what the yeah. is going on. So as soon as the movie ended, I'm like, sorry about that weird comment. I had surgery, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I was really weirded out by that. What do you mean your heart? Because a lot of people think I have a watch. So yeah. that's how the entire kind of business was framed and what the Iron Man marketing is all about. Dude, that is a hell of a story. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> and you can tell you genuinely enjoy telling it too. But I, I, I want to unpack a few things there. 
you know, the story about your dad, because I think that's huge. You know, so much of our childhood shapes, you know, how we develop as entrepreneurs. And some of us learn from it and some of us don't, right? And so you saw your your dad go through that and you recognize, hey, he's a business of one, right? Which, you know, is very attractive at first. And then you realize, like, hey, as soon as I go down or as soon as I want to take a vacation or as soon as I want to, you know, take some time away, whatever the case is, or go through something personal, uh, all of a sudden the rainmaker's not there, the accountant's not there, the marketing division's not there. You know what I mean? Everybody's gone. The business just stops, right? And you just got to deal with customer service if you have it, you know, existing clients and stuff like that. So I I guess, you know, how did you recognize that early on or was it just the effect of the whole situation and it kind of stayed with you as you got older? Yeah, I I definitely did not recognize it early on because I was a freshman in high school when it happened. Mm -hmm. I think at that point, um, I had never had any sort of um, very challenging experience in my life. There was no formative uh, experiences, thankfully, uh, prior to, I think maybe I was 15 at the time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had two older brothers um, to help me and support me and my mom as well. Mm-hmm. My mom, ironically, had retired six months prior from a job that she was an entrepreneur, created her art studio in Aventura, Florida, You know, served a thousand students for a decade, and she was able to quit because my dad's a success. And then obviously that didn't work out very long. Yeah. Um, I did not realize it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a retrospect. Uh, realization. At the time, I think uh, I was going through just emotional trauma. The -hmm. real crazy thing, Doug, is I I don't remember a lot of it. I I think uh, my brain blacked out a a large majority um, because it was so traumatic. Um, You know, my dad and I are very, very close still Mm -hmm. today. Incredibly grateful. He gets to meet his son, you know, my my 15-month-old who was in my wife's belly five months pregnant when I had my surgery, which was shitty. Zero out of five stars. Do not recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, that's but rough. I didn't realize it until I probably went to college. And the reason why I started my marketing agency working with personal injury attorneys was I thought I was going to go to school for, for law school. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was very intrigued by it because my next door neighbor wasn't a personal injury attorney. Mm-hmm. And the summer between college and freshman year, um, I, or actually it was junior and senior year, I did an internship with him. And I'll never forget it. We, we go into his, into his car. He's kind of a little bit of a heavyset man. We get into a small BMW convertible. He has uh, his, his um, cup holder is actually an ashtray. There was like oh, 60 no. things in there. It was absolutely nasty. Um, and he gets in the car, he slams the door, you know, I'm all dressed up all nice. Uh, and he asked me, you know, we're going to court for the first time. I'm all amped and excited. And he said, why do you want to become personal injury attorney. And I gave him whatever spiel I had at the, you know, I was all excited, 17 years old. Oh, this is why blah, blah, blah. It's like, awesome. My goal is to make sure that you're not a personal injury attorney. It's the worst job ever. <laughs> I was just like, wow, that did, that was very unexpected. Yeah. Um, so I worked with him for a couple months and he was really ahead of the game. Facebook had just released business pages um, for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously now in 2022, uh, business pages get zero reach. But at that time, they were getting a lot of reach because Facebook was in the position of wanting to start generating money through ads. Mm-hmm. For many of you that are younger, you may not know Facebook originally as a social network had no advertising um, and they had no way to make money outside of sponsored like uh, apps, which used to be the main thing on Facebook for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knew that Facebook was going to be big. Um, and he asked me to start posting for him um, something every single day on Facebook from the NHTSA, which is the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And then I started doing constant contact newsletters. So Mm -hmm. that for him for a year for $1,000 a month. And the reason that I started realizing what had happened to my dad in retrospect a few years before was because when I went to college, 
Uh, I had to take out student loans to pay for school because unfortunately, you know, my, my family could not afford Mm -hmm. to pay for it, which is Mm -hmm. fine. You know, very standard thing. So I had to create this opportunity uh, to get more clients. So I asked this attorney that I worked with, if he went to law school with anyone in Orlando that could potentially become a client. And he sent me 20 people uh, and 10 of them became clients. So immediately at, you know, 18 years old, basically I had a $10,000 a month company but I don't think my brain was entrepreneurial enough then to realize the opportunity I had in front of me, mm-hmm. but I did quickly realize how much was on, how much weight was on me. Meaning if I got sick or if something happened, I wouldn't be able to do it. And that was yeah. the time that yeah. I was forming in retrospect, realizing this is why the situation was so bad. This is why my dad has now hired more people after the fact. This is why things got so difficult after, because my dad had a very unexpected experience in his life that led to uh, you know, him not being able to play, right. Yeah. Him not being yeah. able to work. And when that happens, um, if you weren't prepared for it, I realized pretty quickly that he hadn't created a business, he created a job. Mm-hmm. And I realized that while I was going through college, um, because ultimately if I didn't have any help, I couldn't do it myself. And right. that's where right. my girlfriend and I, who's now my wife, um, pattern repeating. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's how I learned it. It wasn't in, it wasn't during the time. I think during the time I was coping, but as soon as I started my own business, um, then that was when I realized, uh, like what my dad had really gone through and, and what the experience was, especially now that at that point he was starting to recover and be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave me a little more time to reflect more appropriately. No, that's great. I mean, and you know, I always say that entrepreneurs are just like anybody else, like basketball players, football players, you know, artists, um, at the end of the, at the end of the day, we're born with certain talents, you know? And, and for me, it's the ability to replace myself, you know, and for you, it may be the ability to recognize that while you're in it, you know what I'm saying? Um, It's hard to put a name on that type of talent, you know, the ability to scale. (laughs) Some of it, like delegation is, is a good skill. Right. And it comes to some of us naturally, like it, it it did for me early on. And I was motivated not by a, a story like your dad. I was more motivated that my, my, uh, my company, we knocked doors initially, you know what I'm saying? I didn't want to knock doors. So I had to figure out how to replace myself. So I wasn't the one out there mm-hmm. knocking doors. And then I wasn't the one out there training people. And then I wasn't the one in the field managing the guys and so on and so forth, you know, and then my company scaled because I had motivation. <laughs> and, uh, but one of the things that uh, we talk about a lot on this show is because I have a lot of people listening, especially in the construction field. I don't know why construction guys love my show, but they, they always listen to it. it. And it's typically because they have their operations built out. They have uh, even some of their marketing built out or they have it outsourced. You know what I'm saying? But they, they still do the sales themselves, you know? And a lot of what I teach is building great sales teams, right? That's the name of the podcast. Yeah. And um, it is just another form of delegation, right? And so I guess my question to you is, and you don't have to frame it inside sales. Don't worry about that part. But my question to you is, okay, you went from that to the business that you have now, you know, doing, what was it, 50 million (laughs) in uh, product sales? Yes, sir. You obviously had to build out departments, divisions, you know, uh, delegate like crazy. Where did you even start? Great question. And I actually have a four-step process for it that I think is really for most people to consider the four step process are you do the job first. Okay. Mm-hmm. You build an SOP for the job so that it can be replicated. You hire someone to follow the SOP to do the job. 
And then the fourth and final and most important by a country mile is letting them fail. Now, I didn't say let them succeed. I said, let them fail. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the four steps one more time. So we're clear. You do the job. You build an SOP for the job. You hire someone to execute the SOP to do the job. And then you let them fail. Now, that fourth step is the really most challenging one for 99% of entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. because ultimately they use two pieces of crutches, two mantras as a crutch. Either one, I could do it faster myself, which mathematically does not add up or two, (laughs) or two, they can do it that they can't do it as good as me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both of those are crutches. And I just want to break down those objections pretty simply. I use this framework on the element of letting them fail related to the timeline. Most of the time people say they can do it fast themselves is because they don't want to build the SOP. They don't want to go through the hiring. They don't want to QA or do management. And they also don't want them to fail when they do it incorrectly, Mm -hmm. or if they do it not as good as them. The framework is pretty simple. If you have a task that takes you an hour to do, Okay. And you say, I could do that faster myself. And you say that every single day of every working day of the year, let's estimate for the sake of this you know, podcast to keep it simple, that it's 250 days. That is 250 hours a year minimum that you were saying, I can do it faster myself. Mm-hmm. What I explain is if you double the amount of time that you do the task twice, two times, you can build a very very solid SOP. And here's how it's a very simple method. We call it the brain dump method. First thing you have to do is simply write out exactly what you are doing, write out exactly what you are going to be doing. Now, the reason why this takes more time is because when you do it, you're doing it consciously or unconsciously, you're not writing out what you're doing. So you have to do it and you have to write it out. So you say, okay, I open up this website. You write down, open up this website. Then I go to the next page and you go to the next page. So you're writing everything down step-by-step. Normally an hour long task will take two hours to do and document, do and document the DND process is what we call it. Okay. Then the next time you use that SOP that you created in the actually creating it, and you follow the SOP. You do nothing off your memory, which is a very common thing that people do. You follow only SOP. Naturally, that second time, you're going to realize that there's gaps for things that you did not put in as a step. Then you go back into the document and you highlight the gap that you put in between steps two and three. Now you have a new step. It's highlighted. The third and final time you go through it, there should be no gaps. So you've probably taken now five or six hours to do a one hour task three times. So normally it would have been three hours total. Now it was five or six hours, Mm -hmm. but the 250 hours we spoke about over the year can now be delegated. So I asked you to trade six hours for 244 hours. Would you make that trade? And the answer is of course, yes. Now the problem with most people is they're afraid to allow that person to fail. The reality is because they're thinking no one can do it as good as me. You don't need anyone to do it as good as you. You probably only need them to do it 75 to 80% as good as you, because that will be enough for your clients. Most people, especially ones doing it themselves, like Atlas Shrugged, carrying the world on their shoulders, doing everything from prospecting to sales, to client acquisition, to fulfillment, to, to hiring, to productivity, to client communication and everything in between, you're probably a perfectionist. Most people like really overemphasize each element and you're afraid that the person you hire won't be. That's okay because your clients aren't asking for perfection. They're asking for results. 
And those are very two different things. So if you can get someone that can make mistakes, they can learn faster. Mm -hmm. One of the frameworks I like using, Doug, is this idea of the only wrong decision is indecision. When you're undecided about whether or not you should hire out or delegate, what you're doing is you're withholding yourself from saving time and creating a better client experience at scale. So what happens is when you realize if you make a decision that you're fearful of being wrong, think of it this way instead. Any wrong decision is a faster way to get to the right decision. Because the stakes are so low, you're not my heart surgeon that actually nicks me, kills me, I'm dead, and then says, oh, I'll get the next one, no worries. You probably sell some sort of product. Okay, so you probably messed up one sale. Big whoop. You learn from how that sale didn't go correctly. Mm -hmm. Then you can do better on the next one. That's the same thing for why that fourth step is letting them fail. You're right. They'll probably make a mistake. Maybe you forgot something in your SOP. But as soon as they make that mistake, you'll know about it. They'll know about it. And you can optimize it to not make it again. That's why it's so important to let them fail. Last note on this indecision idea. It's really important. This is a great sales strategy to consider. When you're on a sales conversation and someone is undecided, remember to, to, to tell them that the only wrong decision is indecision and give them these three frameworks. It's really easy. If you make this decision, let's say it's the right decision, you get the result that you want. Let's use an example just for the sake of it. We'll use a construction business. Construction business wants more jobs. I'm a marketer and I say that I can get you more jobs. Mm -hmm. So if you are the construction person on the other side of the phone, deciding whether or not to invest $5,000 a month in my service, option one is you make this investment for five grand and I get you back $20,000 from your investment and you're happy with that, right? You would do that every time. Option two is you say no to this investment. You try something else or get another call and eventually decide on a different decision. Option three is the worst of the decisions, which is no decision. It's the, I need to think about it. I need to consider it. I need to talk to my partner about it. I need to sleep on it. I want to start next month. I want to start in six months. The thing that you are guaranteed by not making a decision is either staying in the exact spot that you have or worse, moving backwards Mm -hmm. because the people in front of you, competition are making the decisions. That's why it's so, so, so important to make decisions confidently, even if you are fearful in retrospect that it's the wrong decision because every prerequisite of success is failure. That's why the four-step process is you do the job, you build the SOP, you hire someone and you let them fail because when you let them fail, it's guaranteed they will eventually succeed. That's the framework. That's beautiful Um, and incredibly tactical. And I really appreciate that because, you know, so many, so many, I guess, explanations of things like that are more based around nuances and mindset and stuff like that, rather than an actual tactical four-step process, which is huge. Uh, One thing that I would add to is, you know, and I always tell my clients is a lot of what you're paying me to do is to get what's in here out of here and onto paper. So you can train a salesperson on how to do it. You know what I'm saying? But the easiest way that you can do that yourself, if you can't afford, uh, afford a consultant, you know what I mean? Or afford a coach like yourself is, is simply your next sales call, whether it be over the phone, in person, on the doors, you know, it doesn't matter B2B just hit record, hit a voice memo and hit record. You know what I mean? And listen to yourself, you know, this so important. So if you're on this podcast right now and you're a sports fan, if you are, this will really resonate with you. If not, just hear me out for a sec. How do athletes get better, Doug, right? They, they do two things, okay? They have coaches, right, that tell them how to get better, and they watch game film. 
if you do only one and not the other, you will not get the same results that you want. Mm -hmm. You can still get results, but you will not get great results. Okay. So if you have Doug as your coach, all right. And Doug says that he's going to give you a game plan after watching your game film, but you don't watch the game film. You'll never be able to execute the way Doug wants you to, because you know yourself, your mannerisms, the way you communicate better than anyone. If you only listen to Doug's coaching, you'll probably improve, but you won't get to the level you want. If you listen to yourself as cringy and uncomfortable as it is, which it is for the first few times, but then you get used to it and you're like, man, Mm -hmm. I sound like a weasel and I talk way too fast, but it's all good. You get used to it pretty fast. You just start a podcast, get used to it real fast. Exactly. Right (laughs) off the bat. Right right off the bat. If you record yourself and listen to yourself, you'll end up identifying so many things that will allow you to be more successful in your sales. It will allow you to be more successful in serving your clients and serving your prospects. And it's such a vital and important thing to do. Zoom does it for you. Otter does it. Uh, There's a thousand different recording apps for you. It's such an important thing that I feel most people just do not do out of fear. A lot of people go into sales calls, Doug, and think like this is the one and only opportunity. When the reality is six months later, they've probably had at least another 30 to 50 of them. And we're talking that on a very conservative scale. You might have six months 300 opportunities, let alone 30 or 50, but every single one to you is the last one, the big one, the most important one. It's really not that though. Again, the stakes are so low. I I like using this as the framework from the heart surgery. Like my doctor can't look at it and be like, well, Alex is just one of the 75, you know, surgeries we're doing in the next two months. He can't do that. Every single one has extremely high stakes Mm -hmm. for sales. The stakes are pretty freaking low, man. They're pretty low. So if it doesn't go right, watch your recording and identify it. The other thing that I, I coach on on the recording side of things is being not aggressive in sales, but being confident in sales. Mm-hmm. What I find, and Doug, I'd love to know if you believe this, but especially if your people are in construction, a lot of people have this mindset that they're afraid of being too aggressive on a call. They're like, oh, if, I, if I'm too aggressive, then they'll think I'm like being cocky and they'll think I'm pushing them to make a decision that they don't want to do. And, and then they won't buy from me. What I found so so often is that people forget what perception is, that we don't have any control of the perception. There could be someone listening to this podcast right now and thinking, man, Alex is such a G. He's so smart. And another person, same exact type of person listening to me. There's no difference in what I'm saying and think Alex is the worst. This guy doesn't know shit. Why am I listening to this? It's possible. <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely. why politics are a thing, right? Yeah, it's not yeah, like it's that. separate. It's the same person talking. One person's like, that guy's amazing. Another person's like, I hate this person. How does that happen? It's because you don't control perception at all. So when you are in your mind on a sales call thinking, oh man, am I coming off cocky, arrogant, confident? How how am I coming off? All that you're doing is just seeding doubt for yourself, Mm -hmm. which comes out in your tonality. And when you come out with doubt in your tonality, especially seasoned buyers, they can smell doubt like blood in the water, like a shark. And there's no way to buy from you. People need confidence to buy. That's what it comes down to. They need to know that the other person on the line feels confident that this is the right decision for them. That's why I always tell my clients, don't ask them, do you want to work with me? Don't ask them, what do you think? Don't ask them, hey, do you want to do this? Tell them, say, Doug, this is a no brainer, man. This is exactly what you're looking for. We should be working together. Mm -hmm. Some people might think you're being arrogant or cocky. Other people will buy from you because you're being confident. You don't control that. You only control what you say and how you say it with the tonality. And I think that's such an important element to successful sales. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. It's one of the, the first things that we teach, uh, especially at the, on the door to door level is you're the authority. If you know two more things than a residential homeowner about solar, 
about AT&T or whatever you're selling, if you know two more things, then you're an authority to them. Those two things Absolutely. are going to make you an authority. So that's all it takes. And, and back to your, uh, I think you're a G, so let's get that out of the way right there. <laughs> Woo! This is great <clears throat> information for my listeners, incredibly tactical, and I love that about it. Um, so I did a podcast. Uh, we actually shot one yesterday with uh, Donnie Bovine. He's out of the Fort Worth area, and um, he's got his own uh, mastermind as well. And, and one of the things that he says is you don't have a sales problem, you have a business development problem, right? Mm. And, and it resonated with me so much because that's, that's what I do. I do business development, you know? And, and a lot of people say, hey, Doug's the man in sales, or Doug's a great sales trainer, you know? No, not really. I've just developed SOPs, scripts, and systems and operations to support sales teams. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm not even that good of a salesperson. I'm just confident about that piece so much that I do consulting on building great sales teams because I know that if I put all these things in place, I, I can bring in the candidates, you know what I mean, and turn them into at least average salespeople, and you can build on that. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? And so uh, talk about your part in the business development piece, you know, because I know you've got your company prospecting on demand, but it's not just, you're not just a marketer. I mean, you're yeah. obviously a leader in your community, and you've created yeah, that community. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually run two companies. One of them is a personal injury attorney marketing agency. It's okay. the same company I've been running since 2010, since I was a freshman in college. Okay. Um, and uh, the ir- irony of it is that I didn't even know I was running a company for four years. I, I did come from an entrepreneurial family, but I, I think my brain was so focused in college on doing like being great, a great student. Like, it's funny, I graduated magna cum laude from UCF and no one gives a shit hasn't helped me at all in anything in my career only thing that matters was my mom was really proud of me and and i wasn't like one of those just naturally smart people like some of the people i graduated with like felt like they didn't do shit they were just (laughs) able to do it but i was like the one that was like i'm up at five o'clock studying for the 9 a.m test and like that's how i was able to be successful which was kind of crappy but you know i was proud of myself then because i really wanted to become either an attorney or go to like a, a school for like to become a clinical psychologist and then pretty much right after that, realized like I'm burnt out from school. It's ironic how the work I put in for four years, I got completely burnt out to not be able to go to any others. So it took me a, like an ad, ironically, from Ty Lopez to realize that I'd actually oh, already man. been running a company for yeah. four years. Ty's like, this digital marketing thing is, is like blowing up. And I was like, I'm, I'm already doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's how I started the, the, the company four years after starting it, which is so strange <laughs> to say. Um, it's really weird. And my wife and I really focused on it for about two years. Um, and built it out really successfully, got to about $800,000 uh, in revenue a year, mm-hmm. um, profiting maybe like 350 to 400. Nice. Um, but we were just getting bombarded with assholes. Honestly, I'm a very, very impressionable person. I'm like a where am my heart on my sleeve kind of guy, which I'm totally okay with that. I'm, exactly very emotional what you mean. I'm the kind of guy that like watches uh, Disney movies and I'm crying because that's just who I am. I like it feeling the spectrum of emotions. I watch Miami Heat games and get extremely rowdy, probably very unhealthily, but that's just me. <laughs> like that's who I am at the core, you know? So when you run the emotional spectrum, um, you know, dealing with attorneys who most of the time are not happy ever, uh, it's challenging, you know, and it's very not rewarding. I was very rewarded by the money we were making, but very unrewarded by the dickishness, I guess. Yeah, the, the client relationships, it sounds like. And it was even worse, especially because I let my wife become the, 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 the lead communicator and she was just getting buried by these people and I don't manage that well and I don't handle my emotions well for that. 
um, as I'm sure anyone you know with a spouse can understand. Yep. Your professionalism is gone Goes very fast. Window. <laughs> when someone says shit about your wife, so yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. Um, so I hired someone who's a lot more professional than me um, from Reach Local that really helped me. That's like a white label marketing company that we hired. They're in Texas, ironically. Everything's Texas in this yeah. um, in this uh, podcast, but um, hired that person helped a lot, and then we just started building our community prospecting on demand um, because the intention was. Other entrepreneurs I've spoken to that run agencies, it's always been good communication, mm -hmm. but a lot of them really struggled in like sales and business development. And I realized that Shira and I were at, like not in the norm. Shira is my wife. Mm -hmm. um, in two years, building basically a million dollar company, a little bit under that was really not in the norm at all. We were talking to people that were two, three, four, five years in, and they're like struggling, struggling, struggling to get to 10K a month. Yeah. yeah. And like, they're really having a hard time. And I was like, what did I, what did I do? Like, how did I do? And I started reconsidering. And then as I started looking, I would start getting more ads from coaches in the space. We're talking at that time, like Dan Henry, uh, Ryan Dice, Dave Rogan Moser, Scott Olford. Um, these were all the people at that time that were really big in the space. Yeah. Um, and I quickly realized like, I'm going to focus on what I'm good at. Um, there was a lot of people focusing on like how to become better at ads, but I'm not mm -hmm. that guy. I'm just not ever going to be that guy. I'm a communicator. I'm a salesperson. I'm a connector. Um, and I'm really good at it. So when I watched, I, I don't want to like throw shade at anyone, so I won't say anyone's name, but I watched a video from pretty well-known ads and I, and I was watching with my wife and I'm like, babe, I'm way more charismatic than this guy. And mm -hmm. I'm definitely more capable at doing sales. Mm -hmm. We need to learn how to do this. So I bought his program for a thousand bucks. He ended up being an absolutely incredible coach. Very grateful for him. Really helped me. And from that, I was able to build our own community. So in two years, we had 250 people buy our $1,000 course, uh -huh. which was mind-blowing. Um, and then we started a mentorship side of the program so we can do events because I love that. It's something I'm really passionate about. We do four events a year now. Our next wow. one's in Chicago in a couple of weeks. Um, and we just have a great community. So mm -hmm. it took about four years to really get successful and have about 30, 40 clients um, and uh, just be really amazing at business development and focusing on how we can bring in subject matter experts for productivity, sales, uh, prospecting, fulfillment, mm -hmm. et cetera. So we help marketing agencies and coaches grow. Um, and we really make a unique angle by having a strong filtering process. So I'm actually the opposite of a sales team builder, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Reason why is because I did all the sales for my marketing agency and I do right. all the sales still for my coaching program, mm -hmm. but for a purpose with intention. A lot of people in this space and in industries, regardless of what you do, they don't actually have a race that they're running. They just have a milestone number that they want, but they forget like one of the most classic, classic ideologies, which is there's always a bigger fish or there's always a greater mountain to climb. Mm -hmm. So for example, in the agency space, you'll have this very common, like I wanna hit 10K a month, right? Okay, and then you hit 10K a month and what's next? Immediately, I wanna hit 20. So we spoke earlier about working with the UFC, which we can talk about if you like at any point. But mm -hmm. one of the things that's a real big pet peeve for me in the UFC is we have a five round fight, 25 minutes, championship level. These guys are bleeding, like their eye sockets busted, their arm looks like it just got ripped off uh, and they just went toe to toe. Uh, you know, just as valiant warriors, like modern day gladiators, uh, the fight's over, they win. Joe Rogan's first question always is, who do you want to fight next? And you're like, are you kidding me, bro? Like, can maybe my eye cannot be bleeding and I could go back and enjoy the victory I just had? Like, do yeah. I really have to talk about what's next? And this is such a cancerous thing mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs. 
And the idea is what I like to do is, is build intention. So in POD, we don't work with more than 55, 60 people at a time, mm-hmm. not because we can't make more money or I can't hire more coaches, but because I don't need to. So I'm comfortable with contentment and satisfaction. I think people have this really screwed mindset on if you're not growing, you're dying. And if you're not hustling, you're dying. And as someone that actually almost died and actually watched my dad almost die, I promise you, you're not dying if you're content or satisfied. Mm -hmm. So I'm the one that that do all the sales for POD still because I get to use it as a leverage point also where I'm like, did you talk with other competitors of us with the owner? No. How many people are in that program? 300. We have 55. We're very cognizant about who we bring in. So Mm -hmm. the thing that I like coaching on business development is intention. So when we have people come in, they're like, I want to hit 50K a month. And we go, why? They go, because. Like, we're not going to settle for because. We need you to consider a little bit more detail. So we have vision mapping and boards of what they really want and clarity calculators of what you can do with your money. Mm -hmm. And we find people create so much more fulfillment. There's a journal that one of my coaches told me, Doug, a few years ago that it really hit home. And it's tough to even say on this podcast, because I know a lot of people will listen to this and feel shitty about it, but it's important to be clear on it. And this is a simple, simple journal. At the end of every day for 365 days, one year, you write down the main emotion that you felt that day. It is absolutely bonkers how many entrepreneurs' main emotions over 365 days are stress or anxiety, not happiness Um, satisfaction, fulfillment. Those are like 10% and 90% is stress and anxiety, which is insane. That's not what you are doing it for. And I realized for me, that was a really common thing. And realizing that when I was told that just doing a month and realizing 28 of the 30 days is stress, even with the money I make, even with the uh, opportunities I have, I, I realized something is fundamentally broken and it was related to the hustle culture and mindset. Yeah. And that allowed yeah. me to be more cognizant of what business development is, which is business development to me in POD is building a business that facilitates your life, not at the expense of it. And right. that to me, is what business development is intentional understanding of really what you want to live this life. Cause our life is so precious. Our time is so precious. I don't really want to bring this up, but obviously, you know, this week we had this horrible tragedy. Yeah. Baldy, um, with, you know, 21, you know, lives taken. I have a 15 month old son. It's just absolutely horrible. Um, and you know, a lot of the people that lost their loved ones share like how crazy it is. Like time just slips away so fast. Things just happen immediately. You don't know. Like one of the crazy things about my dad's story is he lived right. So many people I work with, they have the opposite story. Their, their parent didn't live. They died from a car accident or from cancer, from some terrible thing that happened. And I have the gratitude of having two of those experiences and living through both of them. Mm-hmm. I got to meet my son. I'm alive and well. I'm okay. My dad got to meet his grandson. He's alive and well. He, he lived through his son going through heart surgery. Time is so valuable that to spend it feeling shitty most of the time, especially as an entrepreneur, when you are the owner and the person that decides how to feel or what to do is not for it's not a good thing. So I'm a big, big believer of intention for business development and clarifying your why, which really allows you to be so much more happy. And ultimately, that's the biggest thing that I want for most people I work with just happiness, satisfaction, enjoyment, fulfillment. Can that be 365 days? Probably not. Could it be at least a majority? I think so. No, I couldn't agree more. And I love the, the journal idea of writing down that emotion at the end of every day. It's incredibly important because one of the things I learned about uh, these emotions that we have as entrepreneurs over the last year is they are a muscle and I decide which one I'm going to work every day, you know? Love 
And um, one of the things that I've been preaching to my team, uh, anybody that will listen, is disciplines. Disciplines that create uh, two things for me are really big right now, gratitude and um, uh, presence. So, yes. so every morning, every morning I journal gratitude, right? And I use uh, the G-Code app, um, which is uh, something that Ryan's doing put together. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure you know him. He's in your space. Yeah, he's great. Um, and so I, I use a G-Code app for that, and I write down five things I was grateful for for the day before. And then there's some other functionalities in there and stuff. But at the end of the day, you're starting your day with gratitude. And then my whole company, we post in our – and I probably mentioned this on every – podcast because I think it's just so important. We have a sales flow chat. Everybody can see it. Everybody can post in it. And everybody are about 90% of the company every morning posts something that they're grateful for. You know, like, like mine this morning was, uh, I'm finishing, uh, phase one of the live hard year today, you know? And so I was grateful for that. And, uh, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm going to finish it. Almost done. <laughs> Almost done. And, and, and so that's one piece of it. And then what I learned before that, that, you know, obviously being grateful makes it a lot easier to be present. But early in my career, you know, you're talking about looking up and having done $2 million in a year. Well, I, look, I looked up and in 2014, we did almost $5 million, you know, in commissions. <laughs> so this wasn't like, you know, this is what we actually got paid, right? And, and but I, I, I looked up and I had um, a three-year-old daughter. Uh, a two-year-old son and uh, a newborn, you know what I'm saying? And I couldn't figure out how to be present with them. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that that muscle I had to flex over time was putting the phone down and being actually present when I was home, you know? And, and uh, you know, I went through a divorce and a reconcile and now we're getting remarried. But that was kind of a blessing in disguise too because now it was just me and the kids versus being able to say, hey, you handle the kids. I got this phone call to take, or you handle the kids. I got to return these texts or answer this client or whatever the case is, you know, now it's just me and them and they're depending on me. Yeah. And so that dialed me in big time. I'm still struggling with that too. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because I know the methods doesn't mean that I do it right. You know, right. The the classic, the cobbler's, you know, shoes have the kids have the worst shoes, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I know the coaching. It doesn't mean I do it perfectly. I'm certainly on no pedestal. Um, There's two things that I've done that have really helped me. Um, both for my coach's recommendations. One is he asked me one time, and I don't know if you've heard this, Doug, or anyone else has heard it, but man, it impacted me so hard when he said it. He said, uh, Alex, how does your son uh, spell um, time? Um, how does your son spell love? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? He said, he goes T-I-M-E. And man, I like broke down when he, when he said that. Um, oh, that's beautiful. It, I hadn't heard that before. Man, it was so intense. I was just like, damn, that's so true because they're so innocent. You know, they don't understand. He's 15 months old. It's my first child. Um, and it's just, it was so impactful to hear that. And then he, mm-hmm. and then, you know, I, I found out that one thing I do as a human being, and maybe this resonates with you and will resonate with your audience, but my current self punishes my future self a lot. My current self is like, yeah, Doug, I'll do a call with you at 7 PM on Friday night. Oh. No issue. Then my 7 PM self on Friday night's like, you idiot. <laughs> Why did you do that? You're so stupid. It's crazy though, that I'll do that over and over and over again, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I know it, but then I'll still do it. Mm-hmm. There's something that he recommended that will help me do that, which is we, we created the idea of like anything past five o'clock is Ellie time. That's just my name, my, my son's name. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
he, he asked me to put a picture of my son and, and I on my desk. So I have this little Polaroid of my son and I um, on my desk um, and his nieces and nephew, uh, his cousins with him as well. Um, and basically what it is, is anytime someone's asking me to do something with them past five o'clock, I know that I'm making a conscious decision to choose them over Ellie. And that makes it a way harder decision. Almost never, I will almost never do that. Um, so those are two things that I've really learned that have helped me a lot, but that, that intention's key, man. It really does make a difference for people uh, long-term, but I, I think it's important also in any podcast that I do that, um, you know, a lot of times people listen, whether I'm talking about, you know, my life's perspective or my experiences in business or the mm -hmm. coaching I've had or the success I've had to make it really clear that I definitely don't have it all together, that I don't know all the answers, that I'm not perfect, that a lot of the reasons why I'm capable of coaching certain things is because I'm going through it myself on a constant basis. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, that uh, that's a really important thing to me on transparency, to be upfront about what I'm doing well and what I'm not. So I've never, ever put on a pedestal of uh, being perfect because I'm so incredibly far from that mm -hmm. um, and yet so incredibly grateful for who I am. Yeah, 100%. One of our core values at the company is we operate in, we operate in integrity, you know, and the reason that I created that core value is because I wasn't in integrity in my marriage. And so as soon as my marriage ended, and I knew I was the cause for it, it was the man in the mirror, then I decided from that moment forward, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to operate that way anymore. And so I made it my personal core value, I made it a company core value. And uh, that's, that's been huge. And, and there's also a science behind it. You know, being the attractive character on social media or in a group of people, they need to know that you struggle with the same things they do so they can relate yeah. to you. And once they yeah. once they relate to you, then they like you. And once they like you and they know you and they trust you, then they'll buy from you. You know, and it, it's not a business strategy. It's just a life strategy. I mean, it makes life so much easier when you put it all out there. Hey, this is me. This is the dumb shit I did. And this is what I learned from it. And this is how you cannot do the dumb shit I did. And yeah. this is how you can execute uh, moving forward. Uh, it makes it so much easier to believe that than just somebody constantly saying, I've got it all together. This is how I do it. And uh, follow me. You know, there's no vulnerability. There's no realness there. So yeah. uh, thank you for opening up about that. That's that's huge Absolutely. for our listeners. Absolutely. You know, the title is building great sales teams. But a big part of that is the owners, the sales managers, the VPs and the salesperson's mindset. You know, and we always, it, it just happens naturally. And I think it's an energy thing. You know, you got, you got good energy. I hope I got some good energy and then it just connects and we start talking about stuff like this. So really, really uh, appreciate you opening up about that. So Absolutely. what's, what's next for you? Super cool question. Um, two things uh, that I'm working on. Um, one, uh, my event, um, mm -hmm. June 10th and 11th in Chicago, Got about 50 of our clients coming out. Um, we got a rooftop penthouse. Just really excited about that. I, I love uh, events because 99% of the time I'm in my home office behind this computer, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, right under my, you know, logo that's in neon. Um, and it's a lonely, you know, it's lonely. Yeah. Uh, I love our community. I love the people we work with. So, um, you know, that stuff really excites me. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. That's like the main business thing I'm working on right now. Mm -hmm. And then personally, um, I'm working on proving myself once again, uh, to do Miami Dolphins media. Uh, I'll, I'll use this opportunity to just briefly explain, um, what, uh, what I did when I was younger. So during the time, uh, that I was in college and just finishing, I told you, I still didn't know that I had an agency, even though I was making right. like, 10k a month. I just thought I was, it was like a side hustle. My yeah, brain you were hustling. My brain hustling. didn't put a paradigm around <laughs> yeah. that it was a business. So 
Um, I didn't, I felt really lost after school, which I think a lot of people do because I didn't want to go back to school. So, um, and all the jobs you're being offered, you made more money than hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Um, so then, you know, I, I realized one thing I love doing, I love the Miami dolphins. I'm a huge sports fan. Um, it's very frustrating to be a dolphins fan. Um, if you're a Cowboys fan or anyone listening, I know it's probably very frustrating. <laughs> well, um, but uh, I can promise you it's more frustrating to be a Dolphins I fan. was somewhat coherent in 93 and 92. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I didn't, but I mean, you want to win as an adult. You yeah. know what I mean? That's um, when you really enjoy well, it. So, yeah. I'm a big Miami Heat fan. They lost last night. It was really shitty, but uh, hopefully we'll beat the Celtics the next game. But, um, you know, I, I thought it would be really cool to become a media member. And uh, at that time in my life, um, you know, I, I thought I didn't know anything about becoming a media member um, or what it would take to do that. But I, I had a voracious appetite for achievement. Like I can achieve anything I set my mind to if I am willing to do it. So uh, I, you know, emailed probably 300 different websites to get a byline, which is like the ability to write on a website. I yeah. got hooked up with Fansided. Um, Break that down for us. What is a media member? So media member is someone that writes articles um, for a sports team and then covers that team uh, through the season um, and writes professionally. Okay, you're, you're dedicated uh, to that sports team. Exactly. Oh, awesome. You can do other sports. So I did the UFC also, mm-hmm. um, but I did uh, get a byline for Fansided, which was a sports illustrated affiliate, which was really cool. The problem was you made a dollar per a thousand uh, views, um, which uh, on average, the website would be about a thousand views. So you make a dollar per article, which is horrible. Unless you're writing about Tom Brady or Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey, um, you're not going to get a lot of views. So obviously Miami Dolphins, you're not getting a lot of views. No mm-hmm. one cares about Ryan Tannehill, but I did. Um, <laughs> I was actually on staff the night Ronda Rousey got knocked out by Holly Holm, which is probably one of the three most shocking uh, moments in UFC history. Mm-hmm. That article had over a million views. So made a thousand bucks um, nice. from it. Which was pretty cool. That was the most amount of money I ever made um, writing. It's really crazy. Um, it really wasn't, no one was reading my article. They were trying to watch the gif of her getting KO'd, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take so, it. <laughs> so after I got the byline, I messaged them like, cool. Like, so how do I get the media badge now? They're like, oh, that's on you. Like, that's on you to do it. So I called the Miami Dolphins uh, media. It is required by the NFL that every media member, uh, sorry, every um, uh, public relations member uh, is has a phone number. I just called every single day, every single day. Um, to the Miami Dolphins for two months straight before training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and every single day, the same assistant would pick up and say, Jason's not available. Jason's not available. Jason's not available. Give me every objection in the book. But I knew that I was willing to hear no more times than they were willing to say it. I knew that for sure, that I was just going to keep going and keep going and I'd break them down. And then one day she finally said, yeah, Jason's available. I'm going to patch you through to his office. Now, suddenly after, I don't know, let's say for the sake of the story, it was 60 calls. I don't really remember how many it was. Right. It could have been 12, could have been 80, but whatever it was. <laughs> was a long time ago, eight years ago. So um, finally patched me through and we get that elevator music, cold music, you know, do, 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 do. And as soon as that happened, I had a little bit of a panic attack because I realized, holy shit, I've been this working for this. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm going to say. Picks up the phone. And I think it was something along these lines. Hi, hi Alex, Dolphins fan, Sports Center, uh, uh, media, please. <laughs> he goes, your credentialed, see you on Sunday. Bam. And that was it. And uh, I drove over uh, the next day for training camp um, and I got my media badge. I still have it today um, for 2014. And that accomplishment, that feeling of having it and looking at it was one of the two most incredible moments of my life. Three, let's say son being born by far the number one being Mm -hmm. married, number two. And then, um, you know, this media badge, Um, it was just unbelievable. It, It blew my mind. Like 
I created this. No one did anything. I did this by myself. No one helped me. I did this from tenacity and I felt so accomplished. And that feeling of being accomplished is something so special. It really is. Um, So all this to say, um, in terms of fulfillment, I want to do it again. I don't have a byline. I don't Mm -hmm. even want to write, but I do want to cover the dolphins again. So um, it has nothing to do with money or desire. It's just, I want to do it. So I'm working on that right now. I've been calling again. It feels like I'm back uh, to where I was eight years ago, just calling and calling and calling, mm-hmm. but I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to send you a message soon and I'm going to have that media badge for 2022 because I say so. And that's what I'm working on personally. That has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do professionally. It's because I want to do it and I'm going to make it happen. Uh, that's awesome. And I'll make sure that I follow you on uh, all forms of social media so I can make sure I see that when it happens. And then, I'll, happen. and then I'll be like, I know this guy. He did a podcast with me. <laughs> yep. But you know what's cool about that is... For some people, it's an Ironman or a marathon. You know what I mean? For some people, it's climbing this mountain or um, doing, you know, this experience or whatever the case is. And, and for you, it's a media badge. You know, most people would say, well, why? You know, that's not your career. You're not going to, you know, go to the Press Hall of Fame or whatever it's called no, doing man. that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's it, it is. It's very it's very much like one of those things, you know, 100 percent. It's for pure fulfillment for mm-hmm. something that I want to do. One of my great regrets was when I lived in Orlando, the Dolphin mm-hmm. Stadium is four and a half hours away. So I only went to one home game to do the media, even though I had the badge because I didn't want to drive, which in retrospect now I'm like, what an idiot. But, yeah, you know, I was what I think, 21 years old, like mm-hmm. I didn't want to. drive. So here I am 30 years old now. I want, I want it, man. I want yeah. to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. Um, so that's just something I'm working on. No, no purpose other than for fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Business is good. Life is good. I'm alive. My son is great. Uh, it's all good, man. I'm working on the event. It's going to be great. Um, but that's something I want to do personally. That's amazing. I, I, I love that goal. Everybody needs something like that in their life. You know what yeah. I mean? And you can call it a hobby. You can call it uh, a, a milestone you want to hit or, you know, it's, it's a media badge in this case. Um, but everybody needs something like that, you know, that they're passionate about and they want to go after. So that's huge. So tell us if, if one of the listeners wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? And you, you said you had your event coming up, uh, June 10th and 11th. Um, anything else around that? Cause you said you had four events a year. Are they all centered around the prospecting on demand mastermind? Yeah. All of them okay. are centered around, uh, you know, growing your entrepreneurial business, mostly mm-hmm. agency owners, coaches, and consultants. Um, we coach sales and prospecting and productivity and business development, the whole uh, nine yards. Um, if you're, if you're listening to this after June, uh, our next events will be in September. It'll be our bigger event called POD live. Uh, okay. We have about 100 to 200 people in Tampa. Uh, and then the last event is an uh, event right before the holidays in December, usually at my home, um, uh, my lakeside home. Yeah, I'm super rich. It's amazing. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but it is great. We have a great time. Um, and those are the two events we'll have. Um, and if you ever want anything inside of uh, you know what we do virtually, we do shows every single week. Um, nice. And our podcast, I'll definitely have you, Doug. It would be great to have you on ours um, every Thursday at 11 a.m., the Get More Client Show. Um, easiest way to get to me, probably prospectingondemand.com. That's my website. You can okay. follow me on facebook.com slash Schlinsky, which is S-C-H-L-I-N-S-K-Y. I have the blue check mark, so I'm obviously very important. Um, <laughs> you know that. I'm kidding, uh, but those are the best ways you can find me. Uh, I go in the speaking circuit a lot too, so if you go to any events, you, you might see me there coaching the One Call Close training. Awesome. Yeah, and... Damn, we didn't have time to get into that. And I want to hear all about that. But uh, yeah, maybe we can have you on again and we can cover, cover just to, that. Happy to do so. 
Um, I imagine all that writing went into that that blue check. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, 100%. yeah. Um, I also paid for it bluntly. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to be. Well, it's both, from what I understand. Yeah, there yeah. was someone that reached out to me that said he can get me uh, featured on Entrepreneur Magazine in Forbes, and mm-hmm. then he knows the hookup in Facebook that once you're on those, then you can get uh, to um, the blue check mark. So I think I paid him six thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars for that, like four, three or four years ago. Got the article on Entrepreneur, which was my dad's story. Yeah. Got an article on Forbes, which was about team building, ironically, um, and then I got the blue check mark, which at the time I was thinking wouldn't be that beneficial, but it's pretty crazy how people's reaction is to like, oh my God, you have a blue check mark? Yeah. It makes you so important. I'm like, not not really, but oh, okay. It shouldn't, like, but it is. It is what it is. I know. Is, it's so you know. Proof. That's what it is. But yeah. it, I always like being upfront. Like I straight up paid for it. That's the reality. That's what it was. It mm-hmm. did help that I had a media badge with, you know, Sports Illustrated. It did help that I was on Entrepreneur and Forbes magazine, but I paid for it. That's well, what there's it is. Well, a, there's a system to it. You know what I mean? Okay. And unless you go viral, you got to follow the system. You know what I mean? You got to put the work in. Like everything else, you know, people and, always ask me to replicate it, but I actually have no idea because that guy completely disappeared mm-hmm. off face of the earth. I think he got banned from Facebook because he was selling this service that I don't think was allowed. So gotcha. we got in on the on the on the on the bottom floor. If so the, I don't even get people verified. Yeah, if the social media overlords are listening. Yeah, yeah, don't listen to any of that. Time, he's like, I bet you also verified on Instagram for an extra thousand, and like an idiot, I didn't do that. I should have for sure because I have no idea how to get verified on Instagram. If you are watching and you know how, tell me, I'll pay you money. That's cool. Yeah, I actually I have a few contacts that can help you with that, and it it is a legit process. There's no back doors or anything. A black hat, black yeah. door. I know Mark, bro. I know Zuckerberg. Don't worry, I got yeah, you. Yeah, typically when you get verified on Facebook, Instagram should follow. You know, a yeah. month, two months, three I've months. Had it later. for like three years. So yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. You should have, you should have no issues. I'll, I'll get you that contact ASAP. My man, my man. All right. All right. I appreciate it, Alex. Uh, this has been a great podcast covered some amazing tactical stuff. And I love that you have it so condensed. You've obviously spoke a lot in front of a yeah. lot of entrepreneurs. So you know exactly how to deliver it. So I appreciate that. And then we got into some of the mindset stuff too. So that, that was huge. Thank you so much for, for being on our show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. And all the listeners. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. All right, guys, let's get building. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.